Hi there, this is Omar Crook, host of Living with a Genius. I want to personally thank you for your financial support. Your donation helps keep this show chugging right along, and I truly couldn't do it without you. As always, thanks for listening. Be kind, do good work, and until next time. Here's Living with a Genius for April 7th, 2020. It's the birthday of legendary jazz singer Billie Holiday, born on this day in 1915 in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Holiday had a difficult childhood, and adulthood for that matter. As a child, she learned from her great-grandmother about life as a slave. She grew up away from her mother, in the home of a cousin who beat her. She scrubbed floors in a brothel in order to hear music on the record player. She quit school at 12 and traveled to New York alone, where she worked first as a maid and then as a prostitute. Jailed and released, she moved in with her mother, who lived in Harlem. They were on the verge of eviction when Holiday, who was about 15, got a job singing, more or less by accident, at a local night spot. Late in 1932, at the age of 17, Holiday replaced the singer Monette Moore at Coven's, a club on West 132nd Street. The producer John Hammond first heard Holiday there in early 1933. Hammond arranged for Holiday to make a recording debut at age 18 in November of 1933 with Benny Goodman. She recorded two songs, Your Mother's Son-in-Law and Riffin' the Scotch, the latter being her first hit. In 1935, Holiday was signed to Brunswick Records by John Hammond, beginning a collaboration that would last until 1937, when she began a stint with Count Basie. The traveling conditions of Count Basie's band were often poor, performed many one-nighters in clubs, moving from city to city with little stability, and the partnership dissolved by the beginning of the next year, when Holiday was hired by Artie Shaw, a month after being fired by Basie for, as he put it, unprofessional behavior. In November of 1938, Holiday was asked to use the service elevator at the Lincoln Hotel instead of the passenger elevator, because white patrons of the hotels complained. This was the last straw for Holiday, and she left the band shortly thereafter. Holiday spoke about the incident weeks later, saying, I was never allowed to visit the bar or the dining room as did other members of the band, and I was made to leave and enter through the kitchen. There are no surviving live recordings of Holiday with Shaw's band. Because she was under contract to a different record label and possibly because of her race, Holiday was able to make only one record with Shaw. But Holiday's seminal moment would come in 1939 with the song Strange Fruit, written by teacher Abel Mirapol as a poem and published in 1937. It protested American racism, particularly the lynching of African Americans. Mirapol was compelled by a photo of two young African American men, Thomas Shipp and Abraham Smith, who were lynched in the town center of Marion, Indiana after being accused of murder the night before. News of the lynching spread across the world. Local photographer Lawrence Beitler took what would become the most iconic photograph of lynching in America and helped inspire Mirapol to write the poetry and tune which became the poem and song Strange Fruit, performed around the world by Billie Holiday. The song was premiered with courage and great trepidation by Holiday at the Café Society in Greenwich Village, one of New York's only integrated nightclubs at the time. For her performance of Strange Fruit, she had waiter silence the crowd when the song began. During the song's long introduction, the lights dimmed, and all movement had to cease. As Holiday began singing, only a small spotlight illuminated her face. On the final note, all lights went out, 
and when they came back on, Holliday was gone. Holliday said her father, Clarence Holliday, was denied medical treatment for a fatal lung disorder because of racial prejudice, and that singing Strange Fruit reminded her of the incident. It reminds me of how Pop died, but I have to keep singing it, not only because people ask for it, but because 20 years after Pop died, the things that killed him are still happening in the South, she wrote in her autobiography. Holliday's career spanned nearly 30 years, but both her professional and personal life were hobbled by her addiction to heroin and alcohol. By the late 1940s, Holliday was also beset by legal troubles and spent time in prison for possession of narcotics. After her release, Holliday performed at a sold-out concert at Carnegie Hall, but her reputation continued to deteriorate because of her ongoing drug and alcohol problems. Though she was a successful concert performer throughout the 1950s with two further sold-out shows at Carnegie Hall, Holliday's bad health, coupled with a string of abusive relationships and addiction, caused her voice to wither. Her final recordings were met with mixed reaction to her damaged voice, but were mild commercial successes nonetheless, and her final album, Lady in Satin, was released in 1958. Billie Holiday died of cirrhosis on July 17, 1959, at the age of 44. Holiday's influence on American music and culture has endured long past her short, troubled life. She is the recipient of four posthumous Grammy Awards, all of them for Best Historical Album, and was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame in 1973. But perhaps, Holiday's most notable role in American history was her momentous performance of Strange Fruit on the stage of the Café Society almost 80 years ago. Sixteen years before Rosa Parks refused to yield her seat on a Montgomery, Alabama bus, Billie Holiday declared war and sparked the civil rights movement, standing all alone in a smoky nightclub. Thanks for listening. Be kind. Do good work, and until next time.